At some point or another, most of us have probably had a thought, something like, I really need to do something other than be on my phone, or I wish I'd never downloaded this app, or even, I think I'm gonna delete this. Well, today we're gonna talk about that subject with someone on our team who did exactly that. Hey everyone, Adam Holtz here, your host of The Plugged In Show, focused on the family's weekly conversation about entertainment, technology, and pop culture. Thanks so much for joining us today. A couple of weeks ago, Plugged In writer Emily Clark shared her experience of, wait for it, deleting her Instagram account in a blog (laughs) titled, Deleting My Instagram Was Nearly Impossible, But I Did It Anyway. And even though we don't normally talk a lot about our personal lives as sort of the focus of a particular episode of The Plugged In Show, I really wanted to unpack that with her and talk about what the process of getting rid of that app involved, why she made the choice, and what she has learned that might help your family too. And in our second segment, our intern Marcella Evans and I will talk about several movies that can help you and your family think more deeply about the subject of abortion, but from a pro-life perspective. And before we jump in, I would encourage you to follow The Plugged In Show wherever you get your podcasts. Take a minute to leave a review for others who might be wondering what it's all about. So thanks for doing that. Joining us for our conversation today are Emily Clark, Marcella Evans, and Jonathan McKee. Hey, everyone. Hello. Hey. Well, today we're talking about getting rid of things on our smartphones. And I want to ask you this deeply personal and penetrating question to kick off our conversation. If you were to give up your smartphone completely, you know, in some alternate universe, what app would you miss the most? Go. It would. It's a tie between pretty much any internet browsing app or the IMDb app because I love oh, yeah. when I'm sitting oh, there yeah. and I'm having a conversation <laughs> with somebody. I'm like, no, you're wrong. And then you look up the answer. You're like, see, I'm right. Fact check. I know. Fact you check. know, sometimes I miss a world in which we didn't know who was right and wrong. <laughs> like the internet has completely exorcised, as in, you know, like getting rid of a demon any yeah. idea that there can be ambiguity. There's no mystery left. We, we used to have to run to the library really I know. quick. Hold <laughs> on a second. Right? In we had to four go hours, I'm going to let you know what the truth is on this situation. Yeah, yeah you no, know. No, you had to go grab the DVD and look at the back of the box. Was Mel Gibson in this movie? <laughs> yeah. Yes, that is exactly right. Okay, so Jonathan, Marcella, what would you... Uh, Ladies what first. What would you find Ladies yourself, first. you know, going into the shakes over as you deleted it or as you got rid of it? Well, my first answer was actually going to be the same thing with the internet, but I use Pinterest a lot, sometimes Snapchat, and I actually use the weather app every day because with Colorado, you never know. Boy, that's true. And it's even true. I, lo- I love true. it when the weather app says rain in five minutes, you know, it's like, mm-hmm. what are you, the weather god on my phone? But yes. It, yes, things, it actually is. <laughs> things do change quickly here. Jonathan, what about you? Oh, man. Well, as our listeners know, I, I kind of have said no to social media. Um, so I, I know I, you're I so much more media. virtuous than all of us. No, no, no. It's because <laughs> it's I'm so much more weak than all of y'all. I just don't want the distraction. But um, the one thing that is bizarre about your question is, is, I mean, today going without a smartphone, there's certain things you could not actually, I I mean, like literally my hot tub, all right, all right, can only be controlled by my smartphone. 
There are certain things like I cannot run the little robot thing that cleans and stuff without a smartphone. Jonathan, I mean, that's what kind the of most privileged thing this? I've ever heard. I just I know it is. That. It is absolutely my alarm system on my house controlled by my smartphone. Uh, I think honestly, this you know what I'd miss the most my Heos app. And let's see if only sound audiophile nerds would know what that is because I have a really nice Denon receiver, um, ah. and I love sound. I love music. And the thing I probably use the most is my Heos app, which I can turn on my backyard speakers and my main room speakers and I can adjust everything and I can uh, play, you know, and I guess Spotify would be part of that. So I could say Spotify as well. You have uh, but a very I, I smart house is what I'm learning about you oh, right you know, now, yeah. Jonathan. Right. <laughs> yeah, Turns during a power out, outage, I'm dead in the water. You're toast. <laughs> yeah, you're... <laughs> I think that even though you're not on social media, you're making up for it elsewhere i just want to say that yeah absolutely that's it's it's true i think for me it would be um the youtube app um Mm -hmm. i have gotten to the point where i get in the car in the morning and i'll find something on youtube that's 15 to 20 minutes about what it takes me to drive into work and then i'll listen to that you know through bluetooth and the wonder of modern technology uh, i don't listen to the radio very much anymore and oh yeah it's even pretty rare that I listen to music, but I have all kinds of interests (laughs) that, that I can usually find brand new content. And I find myself getting annoyed with my favorite content providers when they haven't put anything out since yesterday. I'm like, (laughs) come on guys, get with the program. Don't you know that I need something new to listen to on the way to work? (laughs) So that is what it would be in my life. And I think that that's a, a good segue into our main conversation today You know, social media plays a huge role in our lives. And social media, uh, if we define it broadly, includes stuff like YouTube, like I was just talking about. And we can think of this as, oh, that's a problem the kids have. But the reality is we know that parents are engaged in as much screen time as kids are and maybe even more. And so I think sometimes as adults, we may have moments of conviction where we realize, you know what? this thing is a little bit out of control in my life and, and maybe even, maybe even a little bit dysfunctional. And so we might ponder going cold Turkey or getting rid of something altogether. Okay. So Emily, this is not a hypothetical theoretical thing for you. You did this recently. You deleted your Instagram account Mm -hmm. and that is a big deal. And so I am really looking forward to talking with you about that decision you know, how you came to it, what you've learned from it. And obviously, Marcella and Jonathan, feel free to to chime in with your own observations and questions about Emily's experience. So, so I want to start with this question. What factors pushed you to consider getting rid of your Instagram account? You know, it's something that I've been thinking about for a while, uh, just because I knew that my habits I I was waking up and the first thing I was doing was opening the Instagram app, you know, and I knew that that was a problem. And I was having like Mm. the last thing I would do at night was scroll through Instagram, you know, before I would go to sleep. Um, Mm -hmm. Sometimes, you know, that was if I went to sleep because, you know, they've done scientific studies about how, you know, being on your phone can actually lead to insomnia, which, Mm -hmm. um, you know, so I've had those problems 
kind of throughout my life off and on. Um, So that was already a factor. But what really got me is I went to uh, my church does this thing called Grace and Grub. And basically what they do is they bring in both of those things. Yeah, I know. It's amazing. They they actually bring in. It's actually really cool. They bring in uh, food trucks and then they also bring in like a speaker. And so you get food from the food trucks and you sit out on the church lawn while the speaker is talking. It's really awesome. You should come. I should. It sounds great. Absolutely. Yeah. No, it's awesome. But the guy was talking about um, addiction to technology, essentially, specifically Mm. with social media. He's a professor at a local university, and he's done a lot of research on the subject. And I don't know, just during his talk, I kind of got convicted. I was like, you know what? Why do I even have Instagram? I haven't posted anything in like over a year. I don't really even use it to keep up with my friends anymore. I mostly just look at, you know, different celebrity accounts, or I go to Instagram reels and try to find fun videos on there. And I was just like, you know what, it's not actually contributing anything to my life. It's time to delete it. So I literally now this, this is where the whole thing turned into a saga. I pulled out my phone in the moment because I was very convicted, I was very motivated, and I was like, I'm just gonna do it right now. I'm just gonna hit uninstall. I'm just, I'm just gonna delete my Instagram account right <laughs> now because if I do that, then I will not be tempted to turn it back on later or something. Oh, yeah, if I just yeah, do it now, yeah. then I don't have to worry about it. And I couldn't. You can't do it from the Instagram app. Oh, uh, you know, I gotta tell you, I love your play-by-play of how (laughs) difficult it was. And she shows screenshots. I love it. Look, they said this. And then they tried to convince me that it was really good, Emily. I really enjoyed it because my daughter had deleted Instagram a while back. And we wrote about it in one of our books. And and it was a great experience for her once she deleted. But she she similarly had difficulty doing it. So I kind of... I was aware of it, but I loved your screenshots. I saw that and I was like, this, the struggle is real. Well, it's, <laughs> well, it's, what was so hard about it? Tell us just, about that. The only word to describe it is that it is obnoxious how difficult it is to delete yeah, your Instagram yeah. account. Because like I said, you cannot do it from the app. You have to do it from a browser. And I didn't have like my password saved to my browser and I had it saved to the app itself. So... I basically gave up at that point because I was like, oh, I'm not doing this. If I have to log into the browser and I have to go find my password in the settings and all this other stuff, I was like, that is too much work. And they're banking on that. Exactly. Exactly. No, and that's what got me. Oh, but it gets worse. So then, no, so this was like, this was a Thursday night, like a month and a half ago. And so the following Monday when I got to work, I, I was like, oh, I haven't done that yet. I'm going to do it now because because that's what they're banking on. They're banking on that you will decide not forget. to do it yeah, in the moment, yeah. that you'll do it later and forget and never actually do it. That is what they're banking on. Right. And so... Because well, you go back to looking at it before bed and you realize, how can I quit this? <laughs> I, I need these celebrity updates right before is, I go to sleep. <laughs> that's right. Well, luckily I did not. So actually what I had done was I had logged out of my account on the app just to kind of give myself that accountability over the weekend. And then Monday when I got back to work and I was on a computer again, I was like, oh, I still haven't done that. I'm going to go ahead and do it now. And um, yeah, no, that's when it got even more obnoxious. So I log in on the browser and I 
I had to look up the instructions because it's not easy to just do it. Like they hide it. They don't want you to delete your account. So they make it as difficult as possible. So I Googled it. I found the instructions. I followed the instructions to get to it. And then they were like, you have to give a reason from a drop down menu of why you want to delete it. I am addicted to your stupid (laughs) system. Well, okay. So I was very honest. When I first went on there, I was like, okay. I'm getting rid of it because it's too distracting slash uh, taking up too much of my time. And immediately it was like, actually, if it's too distracting, why don't you consider deactivating your account instead of deleting it? I like that voice. Maybe this will give you a break that you're looking for. That's what Instagram sounds like. You have a career in voice acting as the the annoying computer. Hey, hey, well, I got to ask you a question. Emily, you said there was a drop down menu of choices. Was one of the choices of why you'd want to quit Instagram because it's creating a pressurized environment that makes me feel bad about myself? I'm just kind of curious. Was that one of the choices? No. It should have oh, been, cause, but cause, no. Because that, that should be the number one choice of why people are... I'm just curious if, like, if no that joke. was something that was offered. Yeah. I will tell you what it did have. It had options for like, you know, I think there was an option for um, harassment and bullying. And then, but if you selected okay. that option, it still doesn't want you to delete your account. It's like, oh, well, here's how we can teach you how to block those people. Here's how we can teach yeah, you to yeah. make your account private so that people can't comment on your stuff. They don't want you to delete it. They will have literally yeah. there were only two options that didn't try to stop me. The first option was if you had data concerns, which I just thought was hilarious because they can't <laughs> deny the fact like if you go to their terms and conditions, it lays it out. They won't sell your data, but they will exploit it. Yeah, You know, and I just thought that was hilarious because they were like, oh, if you're concerned about your data, yeah, we can't like they didn't even try to like deny it. So, <laughs> so if you're concerned it's about a your real data, concern. Instagram will not be. They're just like, oh, well, fair. <laughs> yeah. But the only other option was other. So as a matter of principle for me, I was so annoyed that they like because at first it was because it was too distracting for me. But by because this process was so difficult, I chose other and my new other, I, unfortunately, it doesn't let you type out what the other reason is. But my other reason was because this should not be this difficult. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's why my so, title of my article is it was nearly impossible. It wasn't because it was nearly impossible emotionally. It was nearly impossible physically to delete the app. It was ridiculous. Technically, well, yeah. Wow. That leads me to my next question. I do want to talk about how deleting it did affect you. And it doesn't sound like it was maybe the most difficult thing you've ever done, but did you experience a change in your sort of, I don't know, your behaviors? Well, not so much. Well, your behaviors, but I was thinking your frame of mind, you know, sort of your mental state afterwards. So talk about that a little bit. Well, I mean, I was deleting it for, you know, it was too distracting in my life. It was taking up so much time. I would sit there and I'd I'd get on for five minutes. The next thing I knew, it would be an hour later, you know, and there are just other things in my life that I want to do. I have hobbies, I have interests, and Instagram was actually taking me away from those things. And so I, I've actually deleted my account twice now. The first time was because of essentially cyberbullying. And this time was because of 
you know, a more like inner problems, not mm-hmm. outer problems. Um, and I'm not getting back on again. I, I'm actually... <laughs> That's good. I was hoping that you hadn't reinstalled since no, you wrote I'm your never, article. I, I'm actually... No, this <laughs> Emily time... Emily 2.0. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's the thing, though. The first time I did it, it was because of cyberbullying. So I did eventually get back on. And I was like, I'm just going to make my account private. I'm only going to invite people... To, I'm only going to friend people who are I'm really close to. That way I know that mm, this won't yeah. happen again. But then it became an addiction for me. And I am going to call it that because of the amount of time it took out of my life and so this time around it's like you know what there's no such thing as oh next time I won't be so bad that's just not true I know myself I know myself well enough to admit that if I reinstalled it if I created a new a new account I would not be able to control myself and not get re-addicted yeah Emily I relate to the struggle I think Instagram is such an effective distraction. We can use it a lot if we're bored or Mm -hmm. anxious and it can become a coping mechanism. I know like for me and some of my friends, it would feel like if we didn't have that to fall back on, it would become like a greater source of anxiety and stress in our life. Have you found that it's lesser or greater with that? So when I first deleted it, the first time around that I deleted, because I deleted my Instagram and Facebook account the first time around. And I remember that the boredom that you just mentioned, like, I would go to a movie review, and I didn't realize how much I was on my phone until I went to a movie review. And I went to open up the Facebook app to just kind of like scroll through stuff while I was waiting for the film to start because we usually get there really early. And I had nothing to do. I looked at my phone. and I was like, Oh, well, now what am I going to do? And, <laughs> you know, I was bored. I think that's one of those things that we're noticing is, you know, I, I, it seems like social media does. I have two primary concerns with social media. One is just the, the mere distraction element. And that seems like the main reason that you got rid of it. It was taking too much time out of your life. The other element is the way it makes us feel about ourselves. And, and I, I think especially with younger folks, I mean, think about, oh, man, I remember when I was in middle school uh, as, you know, a, a seventh grade boy. I was, when I walked in a room, there was nothing more on my mind than I hope everybody likes me. You know, that, that, that was huge for me. You know, I just, you know, I don't say anything stupid. I, do I look okay? I I hope I don't get made fun of. I get, you know, I mean, it was all about what, you know, and social media has made that a forefront because now it's not just something we feel or that somebody makes in a passing comment. Now it's documented right there on our screen. And the thing that's interesting on the distraction side of it, the reason you got rid of it is that it has also made us a little less social and a lot of the research out there without diving into it and huge, but there's some you know great articles uh, on focus on the family um, about this. And, and it's fascinating because Instead of just like you said, you're sitting there and you kind of just naturally would go to your phone to scroll. Well, we do this even though we're sitting next to people we care about. We do this at the dinner table. We do this with our family. We do this with our friends. And it's interesting because if you hang out with teenagers, I I was I spoke to 1100 teenagers yesterday and I was watching them walk into this room and their default is whip out their phone and look at they're surrounded by their friends. And the default is look at the phone instead of the person next to them. And and that's, I think, sad for our society. I, I so wish that we could just keep that thing in our pocket because, again, this, this device is, is a great device for connecting with people outside the room when it doesn't interfere with our relationships with the people inside the room. Yeah, I love that. And I, what I'd like to do is, is ask you, Emily, and we can all weigh in on this too, what's the takeaway for families? And, and it may be a takeaway for parents and their habits but also as we try to help our kids with this, um, how do we, 
I mean, that's a huge question. We could talk about this yeah, for six no podcasts, joke. but um, you know, are, are there some core takeaways from your experience that you think families could apply to their lives? I do. I think that the first thing you need to remember is just that, and this is something I've experienced firsthand, there's nothing happening on social media that is more important than what's happening right in front of you. What oh, I Jonathan, love that. I love that. What mm, Jonathan just said about it's great for communicating with people outside of the room, but it's not great for communicating with people inside the room. He's so right. And that Grace and Grub mm. thing I was talking about earlier, you know, somebody asked him, well, what about if a friend posts something that's like, they're just like, oh, I've just had the worst day. Well, that person is typically, they want people to respond. They want people to reach out to them. But you know what the guy said? He said, don't use Facebook as your means to communicate with that person. Use it. If that's the only form of communication you have with that person, use it to say, hey, you want to go get some coffee. Hey, you want to call me? You know, that is, it's a very different thing. And I think that we've lost that with social media. Social media just, it's become a place where it's like, you use it to tell people about your problems without actually giving them any details. It's like, pray for me. And that's it. That's literally all you say. You can't actually, you can't talk to them about what's going on in your life. You can't have them talk to you about what's going on in their life. You you lose all the connection, all of the personality that a real life connection gives you. So that would be the biggest takeaway. Nothing is happening on social media that is more important than what's happening right in front of you. Well, and just listening to you, I think, and this is maybe putting words in your mouth a little bit, it seems like another takeaway is... You can do it. Yes. And, and when I say you can do it, I mean emotionally. I'm not even talking about the technical difficulties. Emotionally? That, that might be harder, actually. Let me just <laughs> say this. Having deleted my account twice now and this time permanently, I think that deleting it is actually better for you emotionally. You're going to have the FOMO, the fear of missing out. You're going to be scared for like a day. And then as time continues to go on, I think that emotionally, you're actually going to be in a better mood. And I think that you're going to have better relationships and your emotions are just going to, you're not going to be comparing yourself to people online. You're not going to be thinking about how many friends do I have because you're not going to be counting them on an app. Man, I love that. And I think, again, there are so many angles to this conversation that we could keep pursuing. But I love that you have given us an example from your life, Emily, that maybe can be an inspiration to to somebody else who's thought, man, I, maybe I should just get rid of this. You can do, do it. it. Um, you can help your kids do it. And there may be some disorientation and some withdrawal and that sort of twitchy emptiness <laughs> that comes when we're trying to kick a bad habit. But I love that you have painted a picture for us, Emily, of being able to be present in relationships in a new way. So Thank you for sharing your story. And again, you can go to pluggedin.com to our blog and read about it there as well. Well, in our second segment today, we're going to take a little bit different direction. We are going to talk about films that emphasize a pro-life message. And obviously, we have just witnessed a historic overturning of Roe versus Wade. We've seen pro-life advocates celebrate and embrace the Supreme Court's decision. Um, And we've also heard, you know, pro-choice voices that have expressed dismay. You know, for those of us who are adults and we've sort of processed this issue, we may not realize that 
maybe our kids are not as far along in understanding it. Um, And so I want to talk about these movies that Marcella has pointed out in her blog, which is called 10 Movies and Documentaries to Watch to Celebrate Life, um, and just emphasize some that maybe you could watch together as a family if this is an issue that you are ready to wade into. So, Marcella, here's how I'd like to proceed today. You've given us a bunch of options why don't you tell us about one movie that kids of any age can enjoy, maybe one for teens and then one that might be appropriate for adults, but not for younger viewers. Yeah. So my pick for kids would be Horton Hears a Who. That movie is super cute and it deals a ton with hmm. giving a voice to the voiceless. Yeah. Um, so that would be a really easy way to introduce kids, why it's important to talk about um, and fight for the preborn lives that... Yeah. Um, have been saved through the overturning of this law. Um, And with teens, I think Bella would be an excellent movie for teens to watch. Okay. This would be something that would be good for a youth group or a group of friends or a family to watch together um, because it does really show how coming alongside a woman who is dealing with an unplanned pregnancy can really make all the difference. A very inspiring story with that one. And for adults, something like um, a group of adults that wants to have a heavy dialogue about it, a pro-life group on a college campus, something like that, Unplanned could be Mm. a really helpful tool in that because that movie is very heavy and dark, but it talks about redemption of changing your mind on the topic of abortion and the importance of that and how it's never too late to start saving lives with changing your heart on that issue. Well, I want to go back and touch on each of those in a little bit more detail. I think that's a great list and those are great choices. You know, people might be thinking, Horton, here's a who. That is really hard to say. That's a tongue twister. You're good. That was good. Isn't that a Dr. Seuss movie? Is that really secretly a movie about abortion? What is it about that movie that caused you to put it on this list? Right. Well, of course, I can't speak to Dr. Seuss's original intentions, but (laughs) the book does... Um, really talk about the importance of every voice. And as Horton is speaking for these um, tiny people that others can't hear to save their lives, um, it's easy to draw a parallel there to unborn children who cannot speak for themselves. And we, as those who are fighting for them, um, can show that every life matters, even if you can't see it or hear it, just like Horton does. A person's a person, no matter how small. You know, I love that line, and it's in a song in uh, even Susicle Jr., which is a musical my kids have done. And it's <laughs> ironic that Dr. Seuss himself was pretty liberal, and he hated the idea that that lyric could be lifted out and used to support a pro-life argument. But I think it's such a poignant line. A person's a person, mm-hmm. no matter how small, and that emphasis on you know, a teeny tiny person. If you know about the story, it involves, you know, characters who are very small. Um, but, uh, but I love sort of being able to jump off of that uh, as an example of a pro-life message. Yeah, yeah. So what about Bella? Tell us a little bit more about Bella and how teens might interact with that, Marcella. Yeah, so the characters are teenagers. So for a start, it'll be something that teens are facing in their everyday life um, if they are going to a public school or just interacting with other teens online. Um, 
Nina is this young woman who feels trapped, like she, um, her best option is to have an abortion. Um, and Jose is a young man who comes alongside her, walks her through that, and shows her that that isn't her best option, that he will help her, um, and kind of takes her into his family so that she's supported enough not to make that choice. Okay. And what about Unplanned? If people have not heard about Unplanned, what do we need to know about that one? Yeah, so it follows the story of Abby, who was a Planned Parenthood clinic director um, for a large portion of her life. And when she witnesses an abortion, she changes her mind. She sees how violent and disturbing it actually is when it's played out in real life. And she changes her heart, becomes a pro-life advocate, tries to undo some of the damage that she's done. You can kind of see her journey and how um, people can fail to understand um, what's really happening with abortions um, and the it could be a really good conversation starter for people who are a little bit on the fence or not seeing what abortion is really about. You know, uh, my wife, uh, as our listeners have heard me refer to before, my wife works at a um, pregnancy center where they offer alternatives other than abortion. And it's really neat. They come alongside young ladies who are trying to make that, you know, very important decision and, and just kind of give them the truth, but it just in love and care and, and let them know about some of their options. And, and I'm amazed at how often just people have no idea what's going to happen um, there. And so just giving information, just providing good information, um, good health care, um, good stuff about, you know, the effects physically, the effects emotionally, and letting young women know about these options is good for us. And, and a movie like that, as hard as it is, uh, for us to digest, I think movies like Unplanned, um, Bella, these kinds of things are good things to get us thinking about the realities of some of the choices we make and the consequences that follow. Yeah, I think that's exactly right. And Marcella, thanks for giving us kind of that overview today. And as always, your teen's readiness to enter into this conversation is going to be based on his or her maturity it's important that you know as a parent where your kid is at. Uh, but for some of them, if they're asking questions about abortion, if they have that maturity level, um, I think these could be good options potentially to take the next step in that conversation. Yeah, for sure. Thanks, guys. Well, now it's time for part of the show we call Pop Culture Connection. Each week, our producer, Ashley. Hey, Ashley. Hey, Adam. Ashley comes in with questions that provoke fear, trembling, anxiety, and it's all in the name of entertaining all y'all. So I'm going to get in touch with my inner Southerner. So our used guys, maybe if we're in New Jersey. (laughs) Um, And with these questions, we have to provide as many rapid fire answers as we possibly can uh, in an often vain attempt to win this little competition. So Ashley, take it away. All righty. We'll have Emily go first since it's been a while since we've had you oh, with I us. I like that idea. Oh, lovely. Awesome. <laughs> Absolutely. All right, Emily, your question is, what show on Netflix did you binge watch embarrassingly fast and why? Stranger Things. Mm. Um embarrassingly fast because I watched it on one and a half speed embarrassingly fast because I was trying to watch it all before the newest season came out because I knew we were going to be reviewing it and I knew specifically that I was going to be reviewing it um not embarrassingly so just because I I was not born I was not alive in the 80s but I love the 80s I think they had a lot of great Mm. things um and I love all the actors on the show we had bikes we had bikes we did we rode bikes bikes and 
neon clothing. And we, nobody had a helmet either. I'm just saying. That's right. Fun fact. Yeah. Mostly I'm okay. Fun fact about bikes. <laughs> it is possible to forget how to ride a bike. Uh-huh. Okay. And you I'm know just, that when you fall over. <laughs> yeah, you know that when you you know that when you fall over, skin your elbow and get blood all over your brand new comforter when you run to your room crying. Oh, oh dear. This has been a lovely confessional oh, time for you today, Emily. This is. This uh, is Let it all well, out. Well, Emily, right. I gave you four points, but I'll give you an extra one since oh, you I... skinned your knee. <laughs> Ashley's handing out discretionary sympathy <laughs> the, points today. The, the point systems of Ashley, yes. Yes. That was just for Jonathan. Very postmodern. Very <laughs> postmodern. Exactly. Can I go next? Sure. I want to go next. Sure, Adam. Do we ever get, has anybody ever volunteered to go next? No. I think this is a first. Volunteers no, tribute. I, I, wow. I like this game. I mean, as long as the question is good. Yes. Well, I guess we'll find out. It will be. All right. Who do you consider to be the best author ever and why? Oh, my goodness. There's only one correct answer. Well, yeah, I know, but I'm going to go with somebody different. I'm going to have to go with C.S. Lewis, and that may seem like the most evangelical answer ever. It's the but correct answer, in, though. I know. Thank you. It's my question. Um <laughs> I mean, you have books on evangelism. You have books on worldview. He wrote, you know, uh, he took classical stuff and reworked it like the, you know, the great divorce. You have science fiction. You've got fantasy. Okay. It's I'm sorry. To... Can we give him a million points? Because that is the only correct answer. <laughs> yeah, I think he I just mean, won I the like whole the game. That's who I am. That's who I am. And actually, we're going to retire the game after my answer. Yeah. No, oh. not really. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, that was good. Very good. Yeah, I don't know who else you would pick. Right. Like if you're a Christian and you're awake. Sure. Sure. <laughs> that's funny. All right. Well, yeah. But I, that's Very implicitly nice. criticizing other people's answers. So the that's Apostle probably me. Paul. No worries. <laughs> the so, Apostle Paul. Good, good. He was a good writer, too. <laughs> good job. I actually scored five points. Okay, but so boom. Emily and I fist Good bump. job. All right. Here we go, Marcella. Ready? You ready? As ready as I'll ever be. All right. Right? I'll get you one from the bottom of the That box is the too. true answer. Would you rather watch sports or play sports and oh. why? Well, of course, that does depend on the sport a little bit. Right. I love to play softball, so I would play that over watching any sport any day. But I also love to watch baseball, football, basketball. I enjoy watching pretty much any sport that um, involves a lot of physical activity with a team, particularly so team sports curling, are super really? fun. Not really a curling person, not really a <laughs> golf person. Team sports are fun to watch for sure. Um, and I like the games that have a little bit of strategy to them. Nice, nice. Very right. nice, very nice. Well, three points for that answer. Oh, Good I job. Maybe four. Maybe four. Okay. Well, I think four. there was a lot okay. there. There was a lot. She had that. She had that whole list of sports, right? Since yes, I'm, I'm, I'm watching Jonathan count in the background. Right. Because no, there was authenticity there. There was authenticity. <laughs> yes, exactly. Absolutely. Exactly. All right, Jonathan, your turn to impress. Bring us I, home. I don't know about that, but land the plane. Land the plane. We'll give it a shot. All right. <laughs> Jonathan, your question goes along with Marcella's question a little bit. Ooh. If oh, you could, what sport would you play professionally and why? 
definitely soccer because first of all I could be you know abroad you know I could be in a stadium full of people chanting I could hear that one guy do, when I do a goal be like ah you know goal. I could run seven miles per game I could kick a ball with spots um, it's a team sport <laughs> I get to wear vibrant colors I get to play with people from all over different countries I uh, oh, love man. the fact that I could get a yellow card I could get a red card um, there's no penalty <laughs> box um, you don't have to hit each other but it's recommended how many? That was like 13. I counted 12, 13. I, oh, I got yeah. Out of the water. Jonathan, like. <laughs> Every time. You actually won this week and you won next week. And Every, you're not even here for next week yet. Every stinking time, man. Oh, man. I think he practices. Oh, man. He looks in his mirror and he's just like. But that was I a slipped really Ashley great a answer. five beforehand, yeah. Okay. <laughs> I think what it is is that we get caught up in explaining our points instead of just giving the points. <laughs> no, my favorite moment was when Adam paused in the middle of it and goes, Emily, I'm talking here. Now, if you would, uh, <laughs> I, I, I'm, trying, I'm trying to do something. So if you don't mind, I'm doing this right now and I'm spending five seconds I'm telling so you this. Sorry, Adam, so let I me get like back I to my are. answer. I think we can that forgive awesome. you. I mean, that was I, you know, the point of this is to is to have some fun mm-hmm. and to help you get to know us. A little bit better because I think sometimes it plugged in, you know, we can be accused of being profanity counting robots that are, you know, metallic and non-emotional in the way that we approach media. And the reality is the entertainment we choose and that our kids choose influences us deeply. And these questions sort of get to unpack some of those influences in a fun way. So thanks so much, Ashley, for uh, facilitating another lovely round of Jonathan winning this game that make (laughs) like social media makes the rest of us feel bad. Um, (laughs) And if you're listening today, I want to say thank you to taking some time to, to spend with us. We know that you have tons of different things that you could do. So we are honored that you would spend 30, 35 minutes with us um, listening to us talk about popular culture and its influence. And if you've enjoyed the show today, tell your friends. Word of mouth is really the best way to get our show out there. You can also leave us a comment on Apple Podcasts or whatever podcast player you use. And we would also love to hear from you. What did you think about our conversation about ditching social media Have you ever done that? What was the result? Did you go back and reload it at some point? It's okay. You know, (laughs) sometimes these changes, there's no shame. These changes don't stick permanently. And you can get in touch with us on Facebook or Instagram or send us an email at team at thepluggedinshow.com. And as our way of saying thank you today for a gift of any amount, we would love to send you a copy of Jonathan McKee's book, The Teen's Guide to to -to face-to-face connections in a screen-to-screen world, 40 Tips to Meaningful Communication. Jonathan, I also have to say that's a really long title, but uh, I know that the (laughs) book is awesome and it will be a blessing to you and you'll find a link to order it in the episode notes for today's show as well as on our blog entry for this week's conversation. Well, thanks again for joining us today. We hope that it has been encouraging and challenging and inspiring and we look forward to connecting with you again next week on another episode of The Plugged In Show. Messing up at school can be embarrassing, but Average Boy is used to it. He tries, fails, and tries again, thanks to help from his friends Billy, Jenny, and Sarah. Join Average Boy in his very first fun-filled novel called Average Boy's Above Average Year. He deals with bullies, homework, and more, while following God and showing God's love to others. Check out this book, 
perfect for the 8 to 12 year olds in your life at AverageBoy.org. That's AverageBoy.org.